All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is episode number 50 of the Yellow Card Podcast. With you, as always, your host, Diego Galvez, Chris Jones, Andrew Fasciano. Fellas, episode number 50. What an accomplishment. And, and honestly, <clears throat> I feel like this is far more of a commitment than anything else that we've had in our personal lives. Uh, episode number 50. Episode number 50 brought to you by the Couch Guy Sports Network, sponsored by the one and only friends of the network, Exogun. Use the code CGS10 for a 10% discount off your order today. That is CGS10. If you want to be in a chip shop shape, as Andrew said <laughs> the last, uh, last week, that's what you order. You order an Exogun, you get those pulsating strokes in, you get the massage in, you take care of yourself. Um so, fellas, we are on a weird week. We, we're on a bye week, as it seems, as we have, obviously, the, the international break. Um, but overall, we're really not taking a break because there's a lot to talk about so far in this uh, for, for this episode. Um, we're going to start off with now that the summer transfer window has ended and now that most teams have loaded up, I mean, Atletico, what a, what, what a way to end your summer transfer window. Um, as well as Chelsea acquiring Saul. Um, let's talk about some of the spending some of these teams did because obviously everyone thinks you know PSG, you know, sold out, sold the house, the bank, and everything that they had just to reload for one year. Um, but to be quite frankly honest, some of the spendings were quite genius on some of these team owners. Um, so let's. Andrew, I know you have some details there. I know you have some facts. So let's let's go over some of the facts and uh, let's get into the conversation right away. Andrew, hit us up. Yeah, so I have Transfer Market open on my phone right now. I'm looking at a table of Premier League clubs sorted by how much they spent in this summer window. So it doesn't take into account money that they got back. It's just purely the amount that they invested to improve their team on players incoming. Um so I figure I'll go through it. If anything jumps out at you guys, feel free to stop me and add insight. But then uh, at the end, we can just talk about like teams that surprised us or teams that stand out and things like that. Um, so starting from the top, the Premier League team that spent the most money in the summer window was none other than Arsenal, spent £149 million pounds in the window. And they Second, still suck. <laughs> yeah, they're currently dead last in the Premier League, so that's not a great look. Second is Manchester United, who spent 126 million pounds. Manchester City third spent 114.75 million pounds. Chelsea fourth, 108 million. Aston Villa fifth, spending almost 90 million, 89 million. Of course, that doesn't take into account all the money that they got from the Jack Grealish transfer, so. I think they even made a profit, even with that amount spent. Uh, West Ham comes in in sixth, spending 67 million pounds. Crystal Palace, seventh, 66.09 million pounds. Leicester City, eighth, spending 60.84 million pounds. Tottenham, ninth, 60.21 million. Norwich, the first of our newly promoted sides in 10th. They spent 59.54 million. 
Leeds in 11th, they spent 53.01 million. Brighton in 12th, 51.3 million. Southampton in 13th, they spent 38.79. So a little bit of a decrease there from the 50 millions down to the 30s. Liverpool in 14th, they spent 36 million in the summer window. I think most of that was on Konate, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, Brentford, 15th, the next newly promoted side, spent $34.38 million. Burnley in 16th, $28.71 million. Newcastle in 17th, they spent $26.46 million. Wolves, 18th, they spent $23.67 million. Watford, the third newly promoted team, spent $16.92 million. And last, none other than Everton Football Club, they spent £1.8 million in the summer transfer window. So I don't know if there's anything that straight off the bat jumps out to you guys about those figures. There's quite a large range of spending from Arsenal down to Everton. Um, And I, I think it's fair to say that maybe, at least so far, the teams who spent the most money haven't necessarily done the best with it. So we'll see how it plays out over the course of the whole season. But anything you guys have to add about that just straight off the bat? Um. (laughs) <laughs> I just think it's funny that Arsenal spent all this money, but it just hasn't lit, it hasn't brought back to anything. So I'm waiting for them to um, kind of figure it out. And <clears throat> obviously this, this weekend would be the weekend to do it uh, because we come back from <clears throat> the World Cup qualifier break, the international break, um, and they're, headed, they're heading back home against Norwich City, which is a team that's looked they got blown out the first few games that so looked, looked a little bit better against uh, Leicester. So they're, they're a team that's going to be hungry and they're going to want to come out and make a statement. So I would watch out for them as well. I, I personally got two takeaways. I think the, the spending by Manchester United was more than necessary this year. Uh, the center back position needed huge improvements. With Rafael Varane coming in, you kind of need to spend some money there. I believe it was like $30 million or something like that, so wisely spent. Uh, the Jaden Sancho transfer was going to be costly regardless of however they did it. Um, either way, they spent about, I think it was anywhere of 40 to $50 million for him, so that's $80 million right there. Um, and then, obviously, the, the Cristiano Ronaldo transfer, which Juventus was not going to let him go for anything less than twenty. Uh, so those three improvements there are desperately necessary. I think Jaden Sancho is still getting acquainted to the Premier League style. So therefore, why he hasn't been, you know, this huge knight in shining armor for, for Manchester United. Uh, same with Rafael Varane. I think on the last game, he adapted really well. He did a good job at being the, the backup there to Harry Maguire. Um, however, some adapting clearly needs to be done by these two players coming into the Premier League, which is one of the most competitive leagues in the, in the world right now. Um, I think the comeback of Cristiano Ronaldo to the team and the organization is more than necessary because Manchester United has slacked that DNA that they had in previous years. And I think Ronaldo brings that to the organization, brings that to the table. It brings a new competitive edge to Manchester United. Um, I, I think actually, in, in fact, the one team that I'm actually kind of surprised on it's Manchester City. Um, a lot of money spent in trying to complete the Jack Grealish deal. 
And to be quite frankly honest, the only person shining out of that whole entire team is just Jack Grealish. Like Jack Grealish has been really good for them, but everyone else kind of has just been kind of swinging it by the by the side and just kind of trying to perform game by game, but haven't really provided much of an edge for a team that uh, immediately coming off of the summer transfer window, people thought these people are going to be claiming the, the Premier League championship or or at least making a, a title run for it. Uh, they're good. Don't get me wrong. It's a good team. I just it, it just hasn't fascinated for me as much as I thought that they would. Um, Chelsea has been very wise in their summer transfer window, in my opinion. Uh, very good money spent. Um, I think the improvements of having brought Lukaku as a forward to their organization is obviously a, a necessary need that they had because Timo Werner is just not that strong uh, body coming up in the front against uh, defenders and, and challenging them on the pitch. Uh, he's good, but he's just not what Romelu Lukaku brings. And I think the addition of Saul Niguez to their squad is necessary because um, unfortunately Conte has been kind of injury prone as of late. And if Conte goes down, they really don't have much of a replacement. Mateo Kovacic is more of a defensive person more than an attacking person. And while he fulfills the role of a CDM, uh, he doesn't bring creativity, which is something that N'Golo Conte brings while Saul can do that. Um, so I'm, I'm actually quite satisfied with how Chelsea has spent their money. They've done a great job. And another hugely underrated team right now is actually Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham was highly disregarded this year uh, just because of the transition of, of new management and the, uh, the thought of potentially losing Harry Kane. But I think Nuno Spiritus Santo deserves a lot of credit in this team. Uh, they've gone three for three uh, in, their, in their start, nine points. They're ahead of the table. Uh, it's a team that has shown new chemistry, new energy, uh, a new identity. Dele Alli is heavily involved in the attack. He's been very good for them. He's shown that he's back to the uh, to the levels that he once was under the Pochettino era. Um, Nuno Spiritu Santo also managed to maintain Kane in the in the team, uh, which is huge, especially when uh, when Kane has been vocal about not being very pleased with how management has handled the team. Uh, obviously, that's a knock on Daniel Levy. Um, I like how Human Son has also taken that initiative to be that leading person on the team as well, so that in the case that if Harry Kane wasn't there, they knew that they could count on somebody else to step up and, and take the plate. Um, I love the addition of, of a new goalie in, um, in Tottenham. I think it was desperately necessary. Um, I Overall, I'm I'm not a Tottenham fan by any means, but I think they've done actually a really, really good job. And if they can continue to be this competitive, um, they could manage to be a top six team this year. And it would be actually kind of cool to see that happening considering the harsh transition from a Pochettino to a Mourinho era um, really brought some doubt on Tottenham and what they could be capable of. But going from Mourinho to a manager that's, uh, that's got a, a passion for developing players and that uh, loves to have a good chemistry with their players is something that it's sincerely appreciated. And you can tell that the players really are getting behind his initiatives. Yeah, for sure. I think 
for me personally, there's three things that stand out from this table. Um, first one, Crystal Palace in seventh, spending over 66 million, outspending the likes of Leicester and Tottenham. Um, obviously, they have a new manager there, Patrick Fiera. I think they're doing a good job of backing him and giving him the tools that he needs to succeed. I like a lot of the additions they've made. I think guys like Will Hughes from Watford is going to be a good player for them. Recently, they just brought in Edward from Celtic as another striker option, which I think is another good signing. If you look at the, the deals that they're doing, it's a lot of young, talented players who either are going to produce for them and play for them or improve and then make them a profit, I think, um, if another team comes in for them. So I like what Crystal Palace is doing so far um, under Patrick Vieira, and I think they're trending in the right direction. Um, also, Aston Villa, I think, obviously got a lot of money for Jack Grealish, and I think they did a nice job of turning around and re- reinvesting it right away into the squad. They didn't quite spend as much as they brought in, but I think they did a good job of finding players who could not replace Jack Grealish, but help add to what they were losing when they lost him. Um, And then finally, I got to talk about Everton, given how far they are behind everyone else on this table. Um, I think a, a window like this has been coming for Everton. If you look at sort of what they've done over the past couple of seasons, dating back to Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman. Um, The spending was just not sustainable uh, and it was mismanaged in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, So they were just sort of very restricted, I think, financially in this window. Um, So kind of in a vacuum, it might not be the greatest window, but I think given the situation that they were in, it's not terrible to spend under two million pounds, get five players, a backup goalkeeper, which you needed, uh, Asmir Begovic, he can help push Pickford and help keep him on top form. Two wide attacking options, which it was so obvious we needed that last season in Damari Gray and Andres Townsend, who have both been good so far this season. Uh, Solomon Rondon coming in to serve as backup for DCL and help strengthen the squad as well. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to spend that amount of money for those type of players, I mean, I think they did a good job of strengthening the squad and adding to it without breaking the bank. And frankly, I'd rather spend 1.8 million on four or five players who can come in and help strengthen things than spend 30 to 40 million on a player who's not going to produce and end up being out the door again in a couple seasons time, which seemed to be the trend. Um, more often than not. So I don't hate it. And I think it's a, they did a good job of sort of resetting financially and also still bringing in players who can help out. I think there's still some holes that didn't get filled because of the financial difficulties, specifically at right back, I would say, but given the situation that they were in, I think they could have done a lot worse this summer. Yeah, no, I got, I got to say Everton has also been, uh, pleasantly surprising this year. Uh, the addition of Demerick Gray, very young talent, very good, has 
adjusted quickly to the style of the Premier League. Uh, Andrews Towson and the Dominic Cavalorine connection has been phenomenal. It's been very uh, a very deep threat against some of the teams that you guys have played. Uh, I like how Rafa Benitez has been managing this team. I think my only concern is now that Everton has spent the money that they spent in bringing James Rodriguez to just kind of quickly turn them around. Uh, it's obviously a knock on the player because he's going through a dark era, clearly. He's not, he's not himself at all. He hasn't even been invited back to the, to the national Colombian soccer team, which is a, a big red flag for his, for his career. Um, however, I do think that if, if a player is going through that, you kind of need to buy into him and give him some confidence to bring him back. Uh, I think his talent alone, if I was, if I was Rafa Benitez and I, and I had to manage this team, I think putting his talent along, alongside of Demare Gray would just give me much more of a deeper attack. It would give me two era, two areas of creativity where my team could be extremely lethal. I'm also extremely happy that you guys did not spend the money that was rumored to be spent over Demsel Dumfries. I think while he was phenomenal in the Euro 2020s, I think his performance would have dropped severely if he was to join the Premier League because his pace is just not there for Premier League style. Uh, I think it would have been, I think it would have been a risky transition, especially in the uh, right back position that you guys need to desperately cover. Um, could have possibly been a downgrade from what you currently have. Um, but all, all, all aside, gotta tell you, I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with Everton. Um, I hope Rafa can maintain his composure as he's carried it so far. Um, we we all saw how uh, how his emotions got the best of him at Newcastle. How um, how his uh, strong personality got him quickly out of Real Madrid. So uh, I'm glad that he's taking a step back and kind of humbling himself a little bit and uh, being better at Everton. So. I think one big thing for Everton is I think they still desperately need another solid center back to pair up with Dier Mina. And I think within the next transfer window, which I believe is in October. It is. Yes. Um, I think that again, we I've circled the wagon on this guy, especially for Everton. I think his value again, you can get him on a good deal. You don't have to break the bank for him. And I think he'd be a solid addition to the team. And that would be cool volley from Napoli. It'd be a, a great addition. The problem is, I know Everton, we're going through some financial um, concerns. And I think until you offload James Rodriguez, you're kind of in a tight position financially to make a move in October. Now, if they were to transfer James Rodriguez for Koulibaly, like, pff, I, I'm all for it. Go for it. That's, that's a hell of an addition to your center back position needs. Um, but then you lose creativity in the midfield. And if Demare Gray gets injured, you kind of have to rely back on Andre Gomez, who hasn't been the same at all. His performance has kind of dropped over the years. So I think with – excuse me. Oh, I, think I didn't with, mean to be that boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you weren't. Uh, I got mesmerized by Andrew just staring into the camera. Um, <laughs> but so I think – but here's the thing, though. I think Koulibaly's price is, is down very much so significantly. And I think 
even at 30 mil euros, I think you get that done easy. And I understand the financial structure and stuff like that. But at the same time, when you desperately need a position, that can be made up in several different ways. So that's why I, I think that this is just a name just to watch out for with Everton. I'm still I'm banking on it. I think for um, well, keep in mind, keep in mind too. So, one of their main targets right now for Everton is Luis Diaz. They didn't get far at all with the conversations between them and Porto, but I think in October, that's a whole different situation. Bringing Luis Diaz to this team, my goodness, what an addition that would be! Because that guy, that guy is a go getter, and if there's somebody that can truly live, breathe, and revive the culture that Everton has had over the years. That is one guy that can do that. And his youth is just a huge value to Everton. I know Andrew's getting sick and tired of Michael Keane, so we have to we have to move him away from this. Well, I, I have two thoughts based on that. First, Luis Diaz. Uh, my understanding of what happened there is that the player was interested in coming to Everton, but the problem was the proposed deal was Thomas Rodriguez plus cash and mm-hmm. salary wise. Porto couldn't figure out how to make James's salary work because he's yeah. getting a lot of money. I think 200,000 pounds a week or something like that. Uh, so that's, that's one of the big challenges about trying to move on from him is that you really need a, like a top level team to be able to afford those wages. And it seems like for whatever reason, the top level teams aren't really interested in him right now your Real Madrid's and Bayern's and teams like that who could be able to afford that. Um, So I hope what they do until the next window is they figure out a way to use him and get the best of him. Because if you're paying him that money, you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to incorporate him and use his skills. And then Koulibaly, I think is a good player. My one thing is I just don't think center back is the area that is most pressing. Um, for Everton. I think we have, I, I like the pairing of Godfrey and Mina together. I think Godfrey is really the center back of the future for Everton. I think the sky's the limit for him. And then Holgate and Keane have both been a little bit shaky to start the year, but I think they can, if, if that number one pairing of Godfrey and Mina is healthy and rolling week in and week out, I think Holgate and Keane, can do a fine job when they're called upon. And then also you throw in Jared Branthwaite, who I think is still only 18 or 19 improving. I, I feel like we have more depth at center back than for sure the wide backs, like left back and right back. We I think senior players, we have Luca Dean, Seamus Coleman, and John Joe Kenny right now. So uh, we don't even have a backup left back after loaning out Niels and Kunku. So I think Koulibaly is a very good player and would help improve the team. I just think that if you're going to spend that money, it could help strengthen other positions that we need depth in more personally, but he would certainly be a a decent addition as well. Yeah, no. And I think, I think also Alex uh, Iwobi has been very fun to watch at Everton. Uh, Anytime that he comes on, he just brings a whole new level of energy. And I think, Benitez is a huge fan of that, and yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Iwobi. I think he's a heavily underrated player. Um, and gotta say, I like I said earlier, I'm 
thoroughly impressed with how Benitez has been with Everton. I think that change of character was desperately needed uh, for his management career. And I think he's doing well for, for now, just yeah. for now, you know, for the, now season, is the, the season's still got a lot to go, uh, but for now he's done really well. Uh, moving on. Manchester United officially announced that Cristiano Ronaldo will be getting his number seven Jersey back. Edison Cavani, uh, volunteer to surrender the number seven jersey that he used to wear back to the legend. Um, I'm super happy with that. And in fact, um, I, I know a lot of fans are super happy with that as well, considering that the jersey is almost sold out. Uh, within an hour of that being announced, um, the the jersey sales for Manchester United just skyrocketed. I mean, to begin with the fact that the announcement of him coming back to Manchester United brought huge financial help to United as an organization in the stock market, considering that the stock raised 8% over what their value was previous to the announcement. On top of that, uh, United has kind of struggled to get decent sponsors to invest heavily in them. And I think with Ronaldo coming back, you can see, you can potentially see some big investors coming back wanting to, to solidify help in the marketing of the team and, and deepen the, the money pool that they have. Um, so that, that is great news. Um, any, any thoughts on, on this? It would look no. wrong. I think to, to see him playing for Manchester United, not wearing the number seven after the first stint. So I think it's the, the right call for marketing purposes. And then also just, Aesthetically, I think he should be wearing number seven for United. So, um, can I ask a, a question now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what number is Edison Cavani rocking? That's a good question. Number twenty-seven. Uh, twenty-one actually. Oh, 21. Sorry, the graphics look like twenty-seven. What do you want me to do? <laughs> What a, what would Ronaldo have worn if uh, Cavani didn't give up seven? Uh, the goal. rumor, the, ru- <laughs> he just the rumor, the, goal, the, goal <laughs> the rumor was that he could possibly rock his number twenty eight jersey, which goes back to the goes back to the Sporting uh, Lisbon days, which was the number that he wore when he dis- he single handedly destroyed Manchester United at a at a at a match that. Sporting and, and United had that. Like the guy yeah. single-handedly murdered United. That's why that's when Sir Alex Ferguson fell in love with the guy and brought him to to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I mean I, I, I think it's a great wise move. I think it brings again originality and a great ID to to the organization that was just desperately needed. Um now I just wish he wore the captain band because quite frankly, Harry Maguire just doesn't deserve it. Um but he's done, he's done well by it. I, I, I can give him that. Uh, so let's move on because this week we have an international week, which kicks off the qualifying rounds for the World Cup. Qatar 2022 qualifying rounds are here. Um, what are some of the thoughts? I'm going to start with Jones. We haven't heard much from him. I kind of have talked a lot today. So Jones, go right ahead, bud. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're just, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, 
we'll start with um, the Comcast World Cup qualifiers. Uh, obviously, uh, U.S. played who? El Salvador, right? They played yeah. a, They played El Salvador last night. Drew zero zero. They play Canada on Monday. And then they play Honduras on Wednesday. So, for me, I think this team easily can start rattling off some wins. Uh, obviously, not having a guy like Christian Pulsic available in this situation is, is uh, detrimental a little bit. But I think this team is good enough where we can see them finishing in the top three of the table. My goodness. Eat a bagel or something, dude. Dude, I need I need Jesus. <laughs> no, that, that guy has suffered enough. He doesn't need your torture. Um, oh Jesus! I know. Yeah, he, he has to deal with you praying every night. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what are, what are some thoughts you may have, sir? Yeah. Um, to be honest, the only the only international game that I've watched so far from this break was uh, U.S. and El Salvador last night. It was a late kickoff. 10.05, which I'm not a huge fan of, but we got the job done anyways. Um, I think on paper, maybe you would expect the U.S. to beat El Salvador, but the thing is with CONCACAF, it's so hard to win games on the road in World Cup qualifying. So I think a draw to start things off is not a terrible result. The only CONCACAF team that actually won in the opening round of games was Mexico. So you're not really losing points or falling behind many teams. Um, and I mean, if you want to compare to four years ago, they started the world cup qualifying final round of world cup qualifying with two straight losses. So at a, at a bare minimum, you're improving upon that. I think given that the fact that you're on the road in a tough atmosphere the, the crowd played a great role in that game last night. Um, also, given the fact that a lot of the U.S. players were playing in their first World Cup qualifiers, it's a very, very young team still. I think it's not, it's not the end of the world. I don't think it's anything to panic about. I think it's a solid point on the road. The, the, uh, the classic formula for success in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying is win your home games and then draw on the road. So they've done that so far. Um, I don't think there, there's really anything to worry about from this game. And it was, it was a lot of fun to watch uh, Matt Turner in that on the biggest stage. When you look at world cup qualifying, um, he didn't really have a lot to do, but it was, it was pretty cool to see a, a revs goalkeeper in net there um, for the USA in such an important game. So I thought that was, that was a fun thing to watch. And I think hopefully if you get Pulisic back as soon as possible for the next two games, pick up some more points and continue on a positive trajectory in this world cup qualifying. What game did I watch yesterday? I had, I had random ran. I randomly bet a, a world cup qualifier. You missed and I can't remember which one it was. I know Adam Buxa scored for Poland, so maybe That's, it had something to do with that. No? Nope. Nope. Hold on. Let me scroll back through yesterday's games because, you know, there's just a lot. There um, yeah. And I was watching it, and I was sitting there, and I was like, ooh, this is, this is fun. Let's do this. Um, it was actually 
I'm sorry. The, the suspense is building. It was Iceland and Romania. That's what I was watching. So. Okay. I had my money on on the Iceland, and then didn't didn't work out my my favor. Did they lose they, or draw? They lost two nothing. Ah. Uh, speaking of that group, by the way, do you know who's in first place in that group uh, for the uh, UEFA World Cup qualifier? So that that group, um, I'll, I'll tell you the teams that are in it. It's Liechtenstein, Iceland. North Macedonia, Germany, Romania, and Armenia. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's not Germany because that would not be a surprise. I'll go with Romania. Nope. Ready for this? Armenia is in first place currently. Armenia. Wow. Good for them. Still a ways to go, but good for them. Yeah, no, the, the way that they do it uh, for the UEFA, it just it looks so much different compared to what we're used to seeing in CONCAF and everything like that. So, like, just looking at how, like, they all do it, it's all, it's all different the way, that, the way yeah. that they have it. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, I, I also watched, who was it? It was Lebanon and uh, UAE yesterday as well. Another one that was fantastic to watch too yesterday was um, Belgium. Lukaku scored twice against Estonia. Yeah. And I was surprised Estonia scored twice against Belgium, considering that Estonia, I think their only star, if I'm not mistaken, is John O'Block, I think. No, it's not I John thought he, I thought he was like Slovakian or Slovenian. Or yeah, I think, like I think he's Slovenian. Um, we're looking for Estonia. Hold on, let me let me check their their roster, Diego Hoya. Uh, Ragnar Clavin, Liverpool throwback, right there. <laughs> um, I'm I'm just looking at who it could be, and I have no idea. Oh, the only yeah, no, I have no the idea only is, uh, there's two two guys on the Estonian national team that are that are currently with a Premier League club. That's uh, Maxime Piscotti, who's a center back for Tottenham. And then you have Carl uh, Jakob Hein, who is a 19-year-old goalie f- for Arsenal. Jakob yeah, of course. Who, who can forget about Jakob uh, What? Uh, all right, so now, now I'm curious of who you were thinking of. <laughs> I, I don't even know anymore. Just just forget it. Just move on. Uh, <laughs> Episode fifty with a with a blooper wouldn't be episode fifty. Uh, <laughs> also, again yesterday, Italy tied with Bulgaria, which honestly the Bulgarians played a huge game against Italy. That was that was actually like super physical. Not gonna lie. Well, they've in their World Cup qualifiers. I think they're oh. Two and two. I think they they lost to Switz in Italy, tied with Italy, and then they tied with I think it was Northern Ireland. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, one of one of the players that truly stood out for me from Bulgaria was uh Kostadinov. The mm-hmm. dude was physical and all over the field. He was he was making it miserable for Giorgino and Verratti. Like I I was just like, whoa, where the hell did this dude come from? Um, yeah, no, overall, honestly, actually, a decent World Cup qualifying round. Uh, yes, of course, you know, with whether it being Thursday, middle of the week, and unexpected well, not unexpected, but a 
international break that because of Premier League and Champions League action uh, unveiling, people were just not really that deep into it. Um, but overall, actually a decent round. Uh, good performances by people that you kind of expect them to have good performances anyways. Um, but other than that, I mean... Oh, don't, don't frankly, forget Monday. Frankly, Monday. Monday is the... Uh, uh, isn't it the FA Cup? No, uh, well, Monday is the... The con uh, FA Cup's next week. The con Bowl, oh, right. which is which is South America next week. Uh, Monday you have uh, Paraguay and Colombia. That's gonna be a great match. I mean, Colombia Peru- Colombia played a great match against Bolivia in Bolivia too, and per- Bolivia is really hard to play at home. Like per- getting a tie per- out of there is like winning against Argentina and La Bombonera. Peru versus Venezuela. Ooh, Ooh Ecuador Chile. Oh, Ecuador wins. No question. Uh, Uruguay and Bolivia. Where is where is Uruguay playing though? Are they playing in? Um, they're, play, they're playing in Paraguay. Uruguay is playing in Paraguay. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. Oh no, that's the referee. Sorry, they're playing in um, in Uruguay. Okay, Montevideo. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that makes sorry, sense. Sorry, I'm looking. I'm, I was looking at the referee for the game. Um. Episode 50 without a blooper wouldn't be episode 50. <laughs> and the, big, the big one, obviously, that everybody's going to be watching in Sao Paulo is Brazilian Argentina. The rematch oh. of the final. Brazil's still uh, unbeaten in World Cup too. qualifying, right? So far. Bra- Brazil 7-0-0. There you go. Argentina 4-3-0. Ecuador 4-0-3. Uruguay 2-3-2. Colombia 2-3-2. Mm-hmm. Paraguay 1-4-2. Chile 1-3-3. Bolivia 1-3-3. Peru 1-2-4. Venezuela 1-1-5. Honestly, Ecuador has been really, really solid. Uh, Plata has been a phenomenal player on their end. That dude just been real fun to watch honestly so uh i i honestly think ecuador is actually going to be the surprising qualifying team this year uh, on the uh, world cup combinables uh, aspect i think it's what four or five players that qualify to the world cup four and then one uh, four or five teams goes. i mean not players whoever, good christ what, almighty here we go four and then whoever comes in fifth goes to the inter uh conference playoff okay Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about the Inter Conference playoff. Um, I I honestly think it's gonna be the the qualifiers. Um, honestly, not I gonna, think, we're, we're not diving into who we think is gonna qualify for for, for everything. My but, my brain. Hurts. No, no, but frankly, out of the Commonwealth, I think it's gonna be easily. Uh, I I personally think Argentina will struggle to qualify, but they will qualify in a way. Um, but I think it's going to be Brazil, Uruguay, and Ecuador are easily guaranteed to qualify. I think Colombia will struggle, but they will qualify as well. Um, I think Argentina is also in there. I think Colombia will end up having to play the international playoff, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Last topic? That is the last topic. <laughs> I, thought we, I thought we were talking EPL games this weekend. Oh, right, right. I forgot. About wow. that. Well, they are, what? well, there are games this weekend. Aren't fucking they? blunders, dude. Holy Jesus. <laughs> Not this weekend, the following weekend, the weekend of the, the 10th and the 11th. Jeez. Here, here, God, God almighty. Here we go. All right. This is a, an unprecedented weekday morning recording. Yeah, um, this is not listen, interesting. Th- this is why we record on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> 
the work week is still a thing. This is this is not fun. I'm not having fun here. All right, let's let's do this. Let's do this. Faustiano, give me a game that you're looking forward to watching this weekend. Oh my god, I need to oh, actually pull out the EPL schedule because I don't know what else. Next is. weekend. So I'll tell next you right weekend. now. It, yeah. So the weekend of the 11th. It's yeah. Saturday, you got Palace and Tottenham, Watford Wolves, Brentford Brighton, Arsenal Norwich, United Newcastle, Southampton West Ham, Leicester Man City, Chelsea Aston Villa, Chelsea and Aston Villa, Leeds and Liverpool. Aston Villa. You wouldn't you wouldn't be Bostonian if you didn't say Aston Villa. Villa. Everton Burn. <laughs> Goodness. Um, Goodness me, I know. <laughs> there's a couple. There's a couple that. Stand out to me. I'm gonna go with Arsenal and Norwich actually, because I think both of those teams kind of for different reasons. That's September 11. That's next weekend. Yeah, that's what we're talking. That's what we're talking about. There's no games. We're talking. I I was like, there's no games this week. How can there be? We're talking about next weekend, dude. I was so confused with you bringing it up. I was like, what in the hell is he doing? We're, we're 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 bypassing next week. We're already looking yeah. forward. Okay. All right. <laughs> Arsenal Norwich because they are nineteenth and twentieth in the table right now. They both are looking for their first win. They're both looking for their first point, period. So I think it's a a big game for those two teams to try and get back on the right track. Uh if Arsenal loses to Norwich, you got some serious, serious problems there. I think Norwich can afford to maybe, – well, maybe not if they want to stay up, but I, I think it's a big chance for both of these teams to get a positive result and start actually getting on the board for this season because neither of them have been able to do that so far. Arsenal hasn't even scored a goal in the Premier League, for crying out loud, so – they they need to they, they need to get it going in this one. No. Andrew coming with the smoke this morning, Dude, baby. Andrew didn't even come with a high with a haymaker. He just came with a knockout. It, it was just like just go to sleep, assholes. <laughs> but can you imagine if uh, if Norwich beats Arsenal in this one? Like the that'd be beautiful. The, the pandemonium, Arsenal fan TV would be can't miss entertainment. <laughs> would be can't would be canceled. Yeah, that's right. that's my pick. Mine, I'm gonna go with Leeds and Liverpool. I think Leeds is kind of underperformed this year. Oh, two and one so far. Uh, Liverpool has been solid since the return of Virgil Van Dijk. I uh, would love to see how this game plays out because we saw what happened last last year when these two teams met, and boy, it was it was fun. Okay. Diego, I, I'm just like okay, that's it. I'm, I'm like, yeah, we gave, we said one. Oh, just one. Huh. Just yeah, one. Just, just one. one. Because I don't want to repeat what happened last time we picked the yeah. games when everybody picked the same game. So we're picking uh, one. Cuts down on overlap. Yeah. Okay. So one that I'm actually looking forward to. Gotta be honest with you, actually, Leeds and Liverpool. Be different. Give me something else. Uh, another one that I actually like a lot is Leicester versus Man City. I actually really love that matchup. That's a good uh, one. 
I I got a hot take on this one. Hey. I, I actually think Leicester wins. Leicester has been really fun to watch starting off in this Premier League. Um, they've had some struggles, like every other team has. Uh, but frankly, they're really not that far behind Manchester City. They're just far behind because of goals. Um, but Leicester, having played Norwich the way that they did um, against a team that was coming really hot against them, um, gotta tell you, Leicester actually pulled through and and did really really well. I think Jamie Vardy and Mark Albrighton uh, link up is actually a really fun one to watch. Um, the lineup can have some improvements because I didn't like the four four two formation that they came out with, uh, but. Um, I'm liking James Madison a lot, how he's been playing this um, this season so far. Uh, Tillemans seems to be back on his own shape. Uh, I think his Premier League uh, performance is just a 180 from the Euro 2020 that he had. Uh, Schmeichel has been convincing again in the back of the net for, for them. Uh, I'm just not hot on their defense at all. I, I don't like Thomas. I don't like Amarte. I don't like Barrera. Um, I, I, their, their defense needs some big improvements, but Kaleki, Hinacho, like you, you can't discount him. Um, uh, you can't discount, uh, Castagna as well. And Samari, I'm waiting for Samari to, to make his appearance. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that matchup. I actually think Leicester City will, play very tough against Manchester City and Manchester City could even struggle to score a goal. All right. I like yeah, it. No, I like it. That's a lot a, of <laughs> Yeah. 50 episodes. This All is right. probably this is probably the funniest one yet. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm I'm just shocked that we're 50 episodes in. Like I didn't even imagine getting past 20 considering the personalities we have here. <laughs> Um, and speak for yourself but no i speak for you too because there, there are some times where i'm just like how did i even become friends with this dude um, not for nothing this all started because diego asked me one day if i wanted to start a podcast and here we are to be honest i didn't even know that you were into soccer i didn't even know until the dude starts talking and i'm like oh he knows what the ball even looks like <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then and then I, I and then I met uh, uh, Fasciano through through Twitter, and he's deeply talking about his passion about Everton. I'm like, oh my god, there are soccer fans in Boston. This is a miracle. So I was like, let's get let's get a podcast going. And now a thousand followers later, and fifty episodes in, um, gotta appreciate obviously the fact that Kachka Sports gave us an opportunity to bring this uh, this platform into into our reality. Um, appreciate the uh, sponsors onto the network, Exogun, Manscaped. Um, but with that said, that wraps it up for episode 50. Can't wait to see you guys back next week. Until then, make sure that you're following the Twitter account at Podcast Card. Uh, make sure that you're tuning in to Spotify and YouTube just to uh, keep up to date with our with our episodes. And uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly can't wait for Premier League action to be back next week. I can't wait for Ronaldo to start for Manchester United against Newcastle. So I'm excited for that. Um, yeah. Episode 50 ends here right now. Thank you all for tuning in.